0: Greetings, Sunday School teachers. Today we have the story of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down, a powerful demonstration of God's power and his ability to save his people and to be with them. The destruction of Jericho was and is a lesson both to the inhabitants of the land of Canaan and to the Israelites as well and to us to the inhabitants of Canaan, it was a powerful warning that they could not stand against God's power. At the same time, Rahab, of course, was spared, and this further emphasizes God's warning to the inhabitants. He was not without mercy, Rahab repented and was spared from the destruction of Jericho, and so she was an example to the rest of the Canaanites to repent now and turn to God, and they would be spared. But if they continued in their unbelief and idolatry and opposition to God and his will and his plan, they would be destroyed. Second Peter 2 reminds us he... The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And so we see both, of course, in this story, God's almighty power that delivered the penitent Rahab as well as the people of Israel, but brought judgment on those who would not listen. To the Israelites, the destruction of Jericho was a powerful demonstration that God was with them, that God would fulfill his promise and that God would deliver the land of Canaan into their hands as he promised. This would be accomplished by his mighty power and not by their might or cunning. It was also a demonstration to the Israelites that if they listened to his word and trusted him, everything would go well. They could trust his word. To us of course it's a reminder that the highest walls and the strongest army cannot provide safety and security and so we ought to stop our foolish efforts to provide protection and increase our security through earthly means which are not going to provide us with safety and security and instead we ought to trust in god it's only those who trust in god who rest secure You could start the lesson, therefore, by asking the kids, what makes you afraid and what makes you feel safe? Because they'll probably have lots of different answers. Uh, The kids of faith are pretty smart, and one of them, or a couple of them, may very well say God, hopefully. And that's, of course, the correct answer. But whatever their answers are, you can talk about it and then bring it back around to God. Nothing in this world can give us safety but only God. The first commandment then fits very well with this lesson. You shall have no other gods before me. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And this story provides the proof that we can trust God and we should fear, that is, stand in awe of his power. Law and gospel, law, when we fail, when we trust in money, government, police, armies, walls, or any other earthly thing. Those things fail us, and we fail as children of God when we put our trust in those things. The gospel, however, reminds us that Jesus died for our sins, and because Jesus died for our sins, we are God's children. God is our father, and as a good father, he will not let anything bad happen to his children. He protects and provides for us. The lesson today is found in Joshua chapter 6, and since there's only one chapter, I think we have time to read through it, which I always think is a a good thing to do in these um, audio lessons so that you um, are very familiar with the actual biblical texts. We're actually going to start, however, a couple verses before chapter 6 because there's such a wonderful... And such an important lesson at the end of chapter five, chapter five, verses 13 to 15. And it came to pass when Joshua was near Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Notice that the question is not whether God is for us or against us but the question is whether we are for God or against him. Those who stand with God nothing can harm them. Those who stand against God nothing can save them. Notice also that there are a couple of important clues in the text that this is not an angel who Joshua is talking to but the Lord himself. Even though he calls himself the commander of the Lord's army, Joshua fell on his face and worshiped him. We are to worship the lord our god only and so that is a good indication that this is the lord himself then also the commander says to take off your foot for the place where you're standing is holy indicating that joshua is standing not in the presence of an angel but in the presence of the lord himself this is therefore the pre-incarnate son of god the very one who later would be born and become jesus and walk among us who now appears to joshua and tells him the plan for victory over jericho chapter 6 verse 1 now jericho was securely shut up because of the children of israel none went out and none came in jericho was a thriving city in a very beautiful valley it had high thick walls and a large army it was a royal residence later on it would be herod's winter palace And from the evidence, the archaeological evidence, it was probably one of, if not the greatest city in Canaan at the time. From an earthly perspective, taking Jericho was not only a key to victory, but probably the key to victory in the region. If Jericho could be taken, the rest of the land would have little protection. If Jericho could not be taken, of course, they would always be beset and you know attacked from behind while they went to attack other cities. Again, from an earthly perspective, however, taking Jericho was nearly impossible. Archaeological evidence shows that there were two walls, the outer wall was six feet thick, probably 12 and, 12 and a half, 13 feet high, and it was at the base of, a, of an embarkment. Up the embarkment at the top was another wall, this one 12 feet thick there's a diagram that I'll send along in the email that kind of shows you how this was. Uh, We know this from archaeological evidence that dates back to the time of Joshua. Not only did it have these thick impenetrable walls, but the city was supplied with water by a spring from inside the city. And at the time that Joshua and the people of Israel attack, in our text, it was just after the harvest. So the people of Jericho had brought in the harvest and the city was well supplied with food, again archaeological evidence shows this. They found large stores of grain inside the city. The city of Jericho therefore could have withstood a siege probably for at least a couple years without any problem. It would, from an earthly perspective, it was suicide to attack the walls. Uh, they would have been easily defeated by the inhabitants, again from an earthly perspective, and they didn't have the time, of course, to besiege the city for a couple of years. Taking the city from, from a human perspective, therefore, was nearly impossible. Nevertheless, What does God say in our text? We're going to see this in the next verse. He doesn't say, I will give the city into your hands, but he says, I have given the city into your hands. From God's perspective, the deed is already done. The people had nothing to fear. And so now God lays out his plan. There's no plan that Joshua could have come up with that would have been successful in attacking the city, but God has his own plan that he lays out before Joshua. Verses 2 through 5. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hands, its king and the mighty men of valor. Notice the king is in the city. You shall march around the city, all your men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go, every man, straight before him. God's war plan here for the city of Jericho serves two purposes. Number one, it proves that the city fell by God's power alone. The victory belongs to God. It had nothing to do with Joshua, it had nothing to do with the people. It wasn't their strength or their might that accomplished this, but it was God who accomplished it on their behalf. And that was a lesson that hopefully the people of Israel would take with them through the rest of their conquest to remember that the victory belonged to God and to trust him. Two, it tests the faith of the Israelites in order to strengthen them for the battles ahead. God asks them to trust him even when the command seems ridiculous. Walk around the city once a day for six days and then seven days on the last day. What is that going to accomplish? But they do trust him and that trust is rewarded. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 9, 33, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. There's very little doubt that the inhabitants of Jericho would have been laughing at the, at the Israelites as they walked around those walls. The text doesn't say that, but we can imagine ourselves in Jericho, we would have been laughing at the Israelites. I'm sure the people in Jericho at that time were laughing at making fun of the people of Israel. What do you think you're going to accomplish? What do you think you're doing? But in the end, the faith of the Israelites was justified. Their faith in God was proven to be correct. And so you can also talk to the children and ask them, well, what kinds of things do people make fun of us today for believing in God? What kinds of things do we believe about God or about God's word that people make fun of us for believing? But the Bible promises that in the end, our faith in God will be proven correct. Um, Our faith will not be put to shame. We will not be ashamed of the trust we placed in God, but we will be vindicated, justified. Remember that Eve was tempted to sin and did sin partially because she did not trust God's word. That was the first temptation that Satan brought to her. Did God really say this? Can you really trust God and his word? Uh, Eve doubted God's word and through that doubt was led into sin and sin this has of course destroyed all the world through her now god delivers the israelites by trusting doing the opposite of what eve did by trusting his word and for us also we are saved by faith by trusting in that word of god just as sin entered the world through disbelief so now salvation comes to us through faith not that it's our faith that is the power it's the power of god's word acting through through that faith, or that the faith that we, we put our faith in that word of God. Uh, verses 6 to 15. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout. Then you shall all shout. So he had the Ark of the Lord circle the city, going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the Ark of the Lord. Then seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the rear guard came after the Ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. On the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp, so they did six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early, about the dawning of the day, and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only they marched around the city seven times." seven of course is an important number and you see how it's repeated again and again in this text it's really emphasized seven is the number of the completion of god's work seven days of creation and then in revelation you have seven bulls seven seals seven trumpets all of which signify the time it takes god to complete his work and revelation is talking about the work of god bringing people to faith the the time of the new testament but the completion of God's work among us. And so here as well, they are to do it seven days. They are to walk around uh, uh, once once for six days, and then on the seventh day, seven times. or seven trumpets that that are to be blown, reminding the Israelites once again that this is God at work, not their work, and it's God completing his work in bringing the destruction of Jericho. By faith, by faith in that word of God, the Israelites received the city of Jericho. An important part of faith, obviously, is obedience. If we trust trust God's word, we will do what he says. That's what it means to trust his word. Noah trusted God's word and by faith built the ark and through that ark was saved. David trusted God's word and faced God faced Goliath, and through that faith uh, conquered Goliath. Here the Israelites trust God's word and are obedient to what God commanded, doing everything exactly as he said, even though it seemed ridiculous, and their faith is justified. Through that faith, God delivered Jericho into their hands. So also we who say that we trust and have faith in God are to listen to his word and do what it says. If we trust God, then we will hear his word and follow it. We continue with verses 16 to 21. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets, that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that were sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold, the vessels of bronze and iron, are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city, and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. It's a great miracle that God accomplished here at the sounding of the trumpets. The walls fall down flat. Now, of course, resonance can create great destruction and maybe some of you remember years ago when the Tacoma's narrow bridge we actually uh we're out just out in Washington and drove over that same bridge is it's, it's kind of infamous as a bridge that was shaken to pieces by a wind and it's not that the wind was blowing that hard or that strong uh but in the case of the Tacoma's narrow bridge The wind just happened to be at just the right frequency that it resonated with the bridge and just caused the bridge to go into spasms. Another example of this was the, the stadium in South Carolina, the Gamecock Stadium in South Carolina, when they played a certain song the upper decks of the stadium would vibrate with the song. And for a while, um, the students there loved it. They would really get into it. But eventually it kind of seemed like it was unsafe and they had to, the architects had to do something to to stop that from happening. So natural things, bridges, uh, you know, human built things, other things as well, have a natural resonance and something vibrating or a sound at that resonance can uh, destroy those things. However, seven horns remember this is seven horns only seven uh the seven priests with the seven horns seven ram's horns were, were loud I, I'll, I'll grant you that horn ram's horns could be loud but it's seven ram's horns even at the right resonance would not have created the power necessary to cause the walls to fall down flat as we read here the tacoma's narrow bridge as an example it, the wind it's not like it was a hurricane force wind but it was blowing pretty strongly and it was and a wind is a lot of power even when it's not blowing that strongly I was able to do that in the, the case of the south carolina gamecock stadium the song caused that upper deck to resonate and shake a little, but uh, it never actually destroyed it. It never actually shook it to pieces, even though it it seemed kind of dangerous to the to the people who were standing on it. So seven ram's horns, in and of themselves, would not have accomplished this. Uh, even even resonance could not do that. So this is the Lord at work here. He may have used the resonance of the ram's horns, but it, it's clearly a miracle. Archaeological evidence also suggests that there may have been an earthquake around the same time. And so it's possible that God also used an earthquake, but that doesn't mean it wasn't a miracle. Uh, The earthquake, God used an earthquake at the exact right time to cause those walls to fall down. Archaeological excavations also show the truth of the Bible with regard to Jericho. The evidence shows that the walls of Jericho did fall down. And they show no evidence of any battering ram or any other tool that would have been used to cause those walls to fall down. There's no cause. There's nothing uh, human-made that could have caused the walls to fall down in the way that archaeologists have found it. There's also no evidence of slow decline and and decaying. decay. Uh, the walls did not fall down slowly over a long period of time. Uh, that would be clearly evident if that were the case because some some stones would fall sooner, some walls would stay up longer, uh, some of the stones would be would have been taken away as others remained and stayed, there would have been patches and things like that. But the archeo- a- archaeological evidence shows very clearly that the walls simply fell down just as God's word describes. Another difficulty for the Israelites was that even if the walls were down, there was an embankment, and they would have had to get over that first, um, you know, vertical problem in order to get into the city. But once again, God, God provided a way. No problem. The walls fall down, fell down out so that uh, the walls fell down, the walls on top of the hill, the rocks fell down that hill, the wall near the bottom of the embankment fell down, and the rubble naturally fell down in order to create a natural hill or step, which the Israelites could have climbed right up onto the embankment and gotten into the city no problem. You notice that the Bible also tells us that they were supposed to set fire to the city and destroy everything. Again, archaeological evidence shows that, that that the walls fell down and that the city was torched and put to a fire. Again, the walls show no fi- sign of fire. So the walls fell down, the archaeologists archaeological evidence shows that the walls fell down before the fire, but in the city itself, there is plenty of evidence of a fire. And then the other thing as well is that these archaeologists found, as I mentioned before, all these bins of grain inside the city. And that is extremely odd because grain, of course, was very valuable. And normally the grain would either have been eaten by the inhabitants or taken by the victorious army as plunder. And yet that's not what happened in Jericho because, of course, God's word told them they should not take anything out of the city, even the grain, but they should set it all on fire. And so time after time, in every detail, archaeological evidence has shown the truth of God's word. Not that we need that archaeological evidence to believe God's word, but it's kind of nice to know that. Uh, Verses 22 to 25. But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and from there bring out the woman and all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought, brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day, because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. God fulfilled His promise not only to the Israelites, but also to Rahab. At the same time, by saving Rahab, as I mentioned before, he showed the inhabitants of Canaan that if they repented, uh, he would have mercy on them that if they refused to repent, they would be under his judgment. The German excavation of 1907 to 1909 actually found that on the north, there was a a short stretch of the lower city wall that unlike all the rest of the city wall did not fall. So (laughs) the excavation actually found like, oh yeah, All the city wall fell outward, both the lower wall and the upper wall, except for this one short section, which remained intact. Well, we assume, we don't know for sure, but it makes sense that that was probably exactly where Rahab's house was. And so once again, archaeological evidence agrees with God's word. We finish with the last two verses, 26 and 27. Then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds the city of Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country. The city of Jericho was an offering to the Lord. Notice how they burnt it. That's what that's what they did with offerings to the Lord. And so the entire city was An offering to the Lord the first fruits of their conquest was an offering to the Lord this was typical of what God asked the Israelites that um, the first fruits of the harvest the first lands to be born were to be given as an offering to him even the first son was an offering to the Lord unless that son was redeemed. And so here the first fruits of their conquest, which, of course, the Lord accomplished, not them, is given as a burnt offering to the Lord. The whole city is burnt. And because it was an offering to the Lord, it shall not be rebuilt, says Jer- says Joshua. And if anyone does rebuild it, uh, this curse will lay upon him. Well, you can read in Deuteronomy how Hiel did disobey God's word and did rebuild the city. And it happened just as Joshua said that when he laid the foundation, his firstborn died. And when he set up the gates, his youngest died as well. That happened about 533 years after Joshua. And you can read about that in 1 Kings 16, 34, if you so desire. God knows how to save the repentant and bring judgment upon the impenitent. We ought to take the lesson of Jericho to heart, fear God. We ought to trust in him and not rely on anything on this earth to keep us safe. We ought to know that we are children of the Heavenly Father, has redeemed us through his Son, Jesus Christ, and that if we trust in him, nothing can bring us harm. Lord's blessings on your Sunday school lesson.